Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. It's a good Friday. It was on Friday that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God the Son, gave his life on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. He is risen. It was on Sunday morning that our Savior rose from the dead, conquering death and guaranteeing resurrection life to all who would receive him. Let's open our Bible now to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that we may learn the overwhelming importance of Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. This is our Good Friday and Easter teaching. So thank you, Lord Jesus. He is risen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He is risen. Uh, these are the three most important words ever uttered in human history. He is risen. Jesus Christ is risen. Everyone else is still in the grave. Buddha is still in the grave. Muhammad's still in the grave. Confucius is still in the grave. Jesus is risen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, hopefully y'all been spending time with Jesus, growing to know him, growing to love him, growing to be more devoted disciples of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Good Friday. Wow. It's a good, good Friday. It's a good Friday for us. If not for Good Friday, there'd be no Resurrection Sunday. And if not for Good Friday, and Resurrection Sunday, all of us would still be in our sins and we would be in eternal hell in complete torment for all eternity. So, yes, it's a good Friday. It's a uh, it's 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 unspeakable what Jesus has done for us at the cross of Christ. Um, if you've never studied Isaiah 53, the 12 verses of Isaiah 53, and I plan on, on reading them at, uh, you know, by the end of this teaching, I'm going to read the 12 verses of Isaiah 53, Lord willing. Uh, we'd all do well to read and reread these verses. For those of you who are interested, uh, the book of Isaiah, written around 700 years before Christ, gives just an incredible articulate prophecy of the coming Messiah. It, it prophesies, it foretells the coming of Jesus and what he would do um, and how he would take on our sins um, and, and what would be done to him. It's a, it is a, a powerful, moving, overwhelming chapter of scripture. Again, the Old Testament book of Isaiah chapter 53, and Lord willing, we'll read that um, here at the end of this teaching. So uh, we're going to go through today 1 Corinthians 15. Um, I don't know how many verses I'll get through. Um, and we're going to be discussing again the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. But Father, Above all things, above all things, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you 
for willingly becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you and worship you, our risen Savior. We thank you that you are alive and risen today. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We worship you and we thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to give us eyes that see now as we open your word, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay, so we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, for those of you who are interested, again, Scott, uh, 1 Corinthians is the, the seventh book of the New Testament. There are 27 books in the New Testament. Um, 1 Corinthians is the seventh book. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, Acts, the fifth book, Romans, the sixth book, and 1 Corinthians, the seventh book of the New Testament. It's written by the Apostle Paul, and he's going to give us some insight here, some incredible insight into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul speaking. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So look what he says here. He says, now, brothers, verse one, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Verse two, by this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Are you holding firmly to the gospel today. The Apostle Paul says, I want to remind you of the gospel. And all of us as Christians and obviously as ministers ought to consistently, almost constantly be reminding people of the gospel. What is the gospel that Paul preached? The gospel is that the Son of God, God the Son, Jesus entered this world, became a human man on behalf of all humanity. He went on to live a perfect, righteous, sinless life on our behalf. He then went on to die a torturous death on the cross on our behalf and in our place that we should have died. And he's been raised from the dead. He is indeed alive and risen today. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, that good news that Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, loved you so much that he came into this world, 
to live a perfect righteous life on your behalf that you couldn't live, to die a torturous death on your behalf that you should have died and that he is risen and alive today. Do you believe that? That's good news. The reason it's good news is because as Paul said in verse three, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is what's most important, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. The reason it's good news is because there is really, really bad news. The bad news rap, right, is that all of us, all 8 billion people living in the world today, all people that have ever lived in the history of humanity are sinful. Every human being is sinful. Paul declares in Romans, uh, the book right before this, chapter 3, uh, verse 23, that all human beings have sinned and fall short of God's holy standard, okay? All of us are sinners. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because of our sin, we're separated from our heavenly Father. We need a Savior. We are in a hopeless, helpless, desperate state. And without a Savior, only eternal hell awaits. Only the wrath of God and eternal hell awaits us without a savior. The gospel is the good news that that savior has come, that Jesus has come and given his life on the cross on that good Friday. When Jesus gave his life on the cross, Matthew, Jesus died the death we should have died. He died on the cross for the sin of the world. He took the punishment that we deserved on the cross. And when we put our faith in Jesus, when we believe in Jesus as the Christ, as our savior, when we place our full trust and confidence and reliance in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins, the salvation of our soul, deliverance from eternal hell, and to bring us to heaven when we die, all of our sin, past, present, and future sin, is credited to Jesus at the cross. And the perfect righteous life that he lived when he walked the earth is credited to us. Now think about that. That is some good news, right? This is the gospel that Paul preached. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Are you standing firmly in that good news that I just explained today? Are you clinging to Christ, David? Are you holding and clinging to Jesus, Corinne? Mm. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. So I'll ask again, are you holding firmly to this gospel? Gospel means good news that your Savior has come. And have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? John 1.12 says, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? 
you're not sure today, Romans 10, 13 declares that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not our words that save us. It's Christ that saves us. But certainly we use our words to communicate our heart to Jesus. Have you humbled yourself before him? Have you literally gone before Jesus and humbled yourself, knowing that you are a hopeless, helpless, desperate, hell-bound sinner, and that only in Jesus Christ can this fate be avoided? Only in Jesus Christ can the wrath of God be turned away. Only in Jesus Christ can your sin debt be paid by Jesus and your sins be forgiven. Have you come before Jesus and asked him to come into your heart? Have you humbly asked him to be the Lord of your life and to save you from your sin, to bring you to heaven when you die? Have you placed your full faith and trust and confidence in Jesus alone? Mm. Again, if you're not sure, you can simply stop the tape now, pause it, and you can pray to receive Jesus. Simply go before him, humble yourself, and simply pray, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinful person. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and that I am hopeless and helpless and desperate without you. But Jesus, I do believe that you are the Son of God. I do believe that you did come into this world and live the perfect, righteous, sinless life, even for me. And I do believe that you died on that cross even for me. Lord Jesus, I believe you are alive and risen today. And therefore, I ask you now, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and confidence and trust in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Again, if you're not sure that you're trusting in Christ, again, use the words I used, but, but, but certainly it's the sincerity and the genuineness of your heart. Your understanding that you are sinful as the Bible states. And from that place, if you call out to Jesus, believing in him is your only hope for eternal life, you will be saved. God the Father will become your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ will become your Lord and Savior and Master and King. God, the Holy Spirit, will become your guide, your counselor, and your comforter. Wow. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. We need a Savior to save us from our sins. Humanity is sinful. Now, notice it says, according to the Scriptures. Why do we believe that we're sinners? We believe it because it says it in our Bible. It's according to the scriptures. Why do we believe, Scott, that Jesus entered this world? We believe it because it says it in our Bible. It says it in the scriptures. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Verse 2, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, right? We believe that Jesus came into this world because it says it in our Bible. Why do we believe that Jesus lived a perfect, righteous life on our behalf? Because it says it in our Bible. Why do we believe 
that Jesus died a torturous death on the cross because it says it in our Bible. We don't believe it because our mom said it. We don't believe it because our dad said it. We don't believe it ultimately because of some experience in our life, although that's important. Ultimately, our faith is in the word of God. Why do we believe that Jesus is alive and risen again? Because it says it in our Bible, Matthew 28, 6. He is risen. God has given his word that Jesus Christ is risen. Notice Paul says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Verse 4, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, because it said it in the Bible. Wow. Look at verse 5. And that he appeared to Peter. Now, Paul's going to go on to explain all the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, right? He's not going to explain all of them. He's going he's to explain many of them here, right? And that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. So you see these incredible post-resurrection appearances. And Paul goes on to say here, most of them are still alive. You can go talk to them. Think about that. Jesus appears to more than 500 people. And Paul says, most of them are still alive. You can go and speak to them and they will tell you, they will testify that they saw the resurrected Christ. They will give testimony that they saw the risen Christ. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. He appeared to Paul in Acts 9 was when Paul um, is on the road to Damascus, on the road to Emmaus. No, the road to Damascus. Um, Luke 24 is the road to Emmaus. And uh, in Acts 9, Jesus appears to Paul um, and speaks to him from heaven. Paul's knocked off his high horse. He's blinded. And, you know, the greatest persecutor of Christians becomes its greatest advocate. The Apostle Paul wrote, wrote half the New Testament. There are 27 books in the Bible, and the Apostle Paul wrote 13 of them. Wow. Okay. Um, so I'll say again, it's a, it's a good Friday, right? It, it's, it's a good Friday for us. Because if this Friday didn't occur over 2,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago or around 2,000 years ago, then all of us would still be in our sin. And every human being would have an eternity in everlasting torment in eternal hell. Jesus loved us so much that he, he came into this world a world he created, a world that, that, that we destroyed, a world that, 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 that we made go bad, a world that we as humans turned into such a sinful world, a world that I turned into a sinful world. So Jesus created a perfect world for us to live in, and we destroyed it in sin. And then in his, in his incredible love, 
He enters into this world that he created, that we destroyed in sin, to redeem mankind, to save mankind from its sinful condition. It is obviously the greatest love story ever told. That he loved us this much, that he would come and save us from our own willful sin and save us from an eternity in hell separated from our triune God. And so again, are you standing firmly in this truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ today? Do you recognize that, yes, it is a good Friday? Do you have thanksgiving in your heart for what Jesus has done for you? There ought to be a settled, awaited, an overwhelming heart of thanksgiving for what Jesus has done. And, and you know, for, for really all of us, it can become commonplace. The gospel, God forbid, can become commonplace. The good news of Good Friday can become commonplace. So, I'm going to go ahead and read now Isaiah 53 and just let the words sink in. I'm going to read it and, you know, you do well to listen, go and read it yourself, the 12 verses of Isaiah 53, or just listen to it, listen to it, rewind it, listen to it again. Again, keep in mind that this was prophesied by Isaiah around 700 years before Jesus came. And listen to what the prophet Isaiah declares. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him 
and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered among the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercessor and made intercession for the transgressors. Wow. So when you, when you hear that, when you hear these 12 verses of Isaiah 53, remember 700 years before Jesus came, the prophet Isaiah proclaimed the coming of the Savior. He proclaimed the immense suffering that Jesus would go through. He proclaimed that God the Father would crush Jesus so that his wrath would not have to be poured out on us. When you hear those verses, it ought to, it ought to cause our heart to be softened. And as I said, you know, we, we get to a place where this good news, this gospel, the good news that a savior has come, that our God came into this world, lived for us, died for us, has been raised from the dead. It can become commonplace. And so we want to start when we read verses like this, just with, a, just with an earnest repentance. Father, we do ask you to forgive us. Forgive us where we have, where we have not, where we have not had a level of appreciation, where I have not considered really the price that was paid for my sin. Forgive me, Father, my, my complaining and my dissatisfaction. Lord Jesus, we humble ourselves before you now. We worship you. We thank you. We praise you. And we love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you and we worship you, our risen Savior. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot. He, Jesus, grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Jesus would not have been a, a just a tremendously handsome man. He didn't come into this world. He didn't, he didn't take on a body that he would have been the most physically attractive man. And then certainly the way he was abused and beaten and tortured in his crucifixion, you know, he would have been marred beyond belief, right? So when it says he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him, again, uh, certainly Jesus didn't take on a human form to be the most handsome of men. He would have been an average looking man. And then again, in his, uh, 
you know, in, in, in the torture that he went through on our behalf, he would have just been marred in a way that we wouldn't even want to look at him. It looks so bad. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Again, it would have been hard to look at him. His, his body would have been so physically abused. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. Jesus took our infirmities. Jesus paid the price for our sin and not only our sin, but for everything. The result of our sin, he paid the price. All the decay, all the sickness, all the disease in the world, Jesus paid the price for it. But he was pierced for our transgressions. The nails went into his hands for our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. The punishment that we deserved, the punishment that he took for the sin of the world on the cross, that gave us peace with God the Father was placed on Jesus. We all like sheep have gone astray, each has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Wow. All of our sin was put to Jesus. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. Remember, he was, he was crucified between two thieves. And with the rich in his death, Joseph of Arimathea gave him his tomb, an extremely rich man, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. Do you see that? It was the Father who willingly crushed Jesus out of his love for us, out of his tremendous love for us. The Father crushed Jesus. The Father put all of his wrath Onto Jesus out of his love for us. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. He is risen. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life. Jesus suffered and he is risen. And be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Again, Jesus, Jesus paid the penalty for all the sin of the world at the cross. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he, will divide, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. It's a good Friday. And it's even a better Sunday. Jesus Christ is risen. Our Savior, our Master, our God and our King has given his life for us. He's lived for us. He's died for us. He's been raised from the dead. He is alive and risen today. Give your life to Jesus today. Recommit your life to Jesus today. Commit today, this Easter season, 
that you're going to live for Jesus, that you're going to love for Jesus, that you're going to give for Jesus, and that you're going to forgive for Jesus. Make this an Easter season like never before. Father, we thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you for your, we thank you, Father, for your, your, your incomparable love, Lord, that you would willingly send your son to die for us, to be tortured for us. Father, we worship you and we thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for willingly becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf. We thank you for dying such a torturous death on our behalf. We thank you and praise you and worship you, our risen Savior. We thank you that you are alive and risen, and we worship you, our risen Savior. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this to our hearts now. Seal this good news to our hearts. Draw us unto Jesus, we pray, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.